Hello, and welcome to the Christwalk Church Podcast. Good morning, Christwalk. How's everybody doing today? So good to see you this morning. I know that it's good to see me, right? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a terrible way to start. Let me start over. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today? Welcome to... There we go. That's better. That's better. Um, so glad that you guys are here as we um, round third and head into the home stretch um, with our eyes focused on Christmas. Uh, I'm, we're looking forward to Christmas at the Snap household, and um, it's always a special time of year, and I'm glad that I get to celebrate it with all of you. Um, we're continuing today in our series, The Stories of Christmas. And so if you've got your Bibles or you've got a smart device Um, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Last week, we were in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, so we're going to do a little rewind and back up, and we're going to see what what actually gets us to Luke, chapter 2. So um, in case you're unaware, the Bible is divided into these two large sections. Um, At the front of your Bible, you have the Old Testament. And then the second section towards the end of your Bible is the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the Gospels. And the reason we call them the Gospels is because gospel means good news. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story, the good news of Jesus. And so we're going to be taking a look at a portion of his story out of Luke chapter one in just a minute. Now, if you were with us um, a couple weeks ago when we kicked off this series, uh, you would know that we talked about John chapter one, and we looked at John's perspective of how Jesus came into the world. And we learned that before the world began, the gift of Jesus was God's plan. And last week, we took a look at what we affectionately refer to in evangelical Christian circles as the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. And we learned that the Christmas story is also our story and that it plays a part in our life for those of us who put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, that his story is our story as well. And so we're going to continue on this morning by taking a look at um, Luke chapter one and part of what leads up to that Christmas story in a piece of the life and times of Jesus and how we can apply that to our lives today. So we'll get there in just a moment. Um, It was the winter of 1997. Some of you guys can think back that far. And I was a young lad, but of 15 years old. And I had gone to um, a a couple hours away to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Um, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So it was a a couple hours drive north um, to Gatlinburg, Tennessee with my youth group to this weekend retreat called Winterfest. And as a sidebar, Not only uh, is Winterfest now um, held in in Northeast Tennessee, that was the original location for Winterfest, but now it's held in places all over our country. And this coming year, our students here at Christwalk, junior high and senior high students, are going to have the opportunity to go to Winterfest in Orlando. They have a Sunfest there coming up in March. And so um, this was an event that I attended with my youth group, and um, it was a weekend retreat worship and discipleship thing. And I was there because there was a cute girl I liked and she was going. 
right? Because, I mean, that's why we go on these trips like this, you know, we're in youth group, right? And I was going because there was, there was a cute girl that I liked that was in the youth group, and she was going on this trip as well. And, you know, it seemed like the thing to do. And, and we could kind of get away from our parents, you know, as a, as a group, everybody for the weekend and, and go and have a good time. And we, um, we, we celebrated and we, we got to eat um, at, at all these fast food joints and, and play mini golf and go to the arcades and different things. And I mean, it was like a, a teenage boy's dream, right? And um, so every night of this weekend retreat, we would go to um, a worship service. And it was on the, the Saturday night of, of, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it was on the Saturday night service. And um, I, can't, I can't tell you much about um, what songs were sung that night. And I can't tell you much, if anything, about what the pastor preached on that night. But, but I do know that I was in this arena with several thousand other teenagers and I remember that at the close of this service, the, the, the guy that was speaking, I don't even know who it was. Don't even remember that. But I do remember this. He said, if, if you feel like the Lord is calling you into full-time ministry, we want to invite you to come forward and we want to, we want to just pray over you and commission you um, to, to launch forward into ministry. And now, this was not my first choice of professions, being a pastor. In fact, had you asked me um, at the age of 15 what I wanted to do with my life, pastoring a church would not have appeared in the top 100 um, on my list. It was nowhere on my radar at all whatsoever. And um, it was that night when, when the evangelist that was speaking, when he invited us to come forward, and everything. I found myself about halfway down to the front of the arena that night before I realized like what was going on. And I can, I can recall looking over my shoulder um, to find my youth pastor in the crowd behind me. And these were his words to me, Blake, what are you doing? <laughs> now, how's that for a vote of confidence? right? Like I'm going down to receive the call of ministry that the Lord has placed on my life. And my youth pastor is, he is doubting it. He is questioning it. Um, he, he's, he's uncertain if I've heard from the Lord. And, and I just responded, is, is this okay? And he was like, he was like, yeah, go. And then I think he said, we'll sort it out later when we get back to the hotel or something like he mumbled something under his breath. I'm not really sure. But that night I went forward and I knelt down um, at a, at, in front of a stage with several hundred other teenagers and um, had some people come and pray with me, pray for me. And I believe that that night the Lord called me into full-time ministry. And at 15 years of age, if, if that is such a thing, and I believe that it is because it's my personal experience, I also believe that it's a biblical experience that um, we'll find out in just a minute. But I believe the Lord chose me, or, or he had chosen me long before that, but he revealed that choice to me that night. And then I was left with a choice to make. Am I going to follow God's call in my life or am I not? 
And see, here's the thing about being chosen. We all love to be chosen, right? Like we like to be picked, you know? Even, even if it's all the way back like in elementary school, you know, you're lined up on, against the fence, the playground, and you've got the, the two captains, you know, and they're, they're picking teams for kickball. And you're, you're sitting there and you got your fingers crossed behind your back and you're hoping that like, maybe today, like I'm not gonna be the last one left standing. And that never happened for me. They were like, well, snaps, the only one left. I guess we'll take him. You know, like that's how it always played out for me. But, but we wanna get picked. We, we wanna be chosen. Or, or, or maybe, maybe your lifelong dream was to hear Rod Roddy yell your name out and say, come on down, you're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Like maybe because, and, and, and when that happens, we see people go nuts. They like lose their minds, like running down the aisle and hand slapping people and, and getting to the front and they're hugging people that they don't even know and everything just to play Plinko or something like that, right? Or, or maybe, I don't know, those of you that can remember, do they still do the publisher's clearinghouse thing? Do they? And like, I, I can remember like watching it on TV, like with my parents and, and them hoping that it would be our front door that they were walking up to with the balloon bouquet and the gigantic check, you know? Um, or maybe it's something as simple as, you know, him getting down on one knee and holding out a ring and asking you, will you marry me? Like, we like to be chosen. Maybe, maybe it's at your job and, and you're up for a promotion and you get picked for the promotion and, and the raise that comes along with it over your coworkers. There's just something about being chosen, being picked that you and I, we just love. It makes us feel good to be chosen. But why is it that once we are selected, once we are chosen for something that we tend to start questioning that choice? We come up with a myriad of reasons of why it should have been someone else, why we don't deserve it, why we're going to fail at whatever we're being asked to do, and so on and so forth. I can remember when um, I asked Sarah to marry me. I remember um, I had her over to my apartment that night, and I made homemade, from scratch, chicken fingers and onion rings. Now just think about it for a second. I'm getting ready to ask her to marry me and I made chicken fingers and onion rings. Oh! See, at first y'all were like, you did what? But now it's like, you're the most romantic person I've ever met in my entire life, I know. And so after dinner, she sat down on the couch and I brought out a gift to her. And she thought that I was going to ask her to marry me that night. And so I brought this gift and it was in a gift bag and she pulls it out and it's a picture frame box. And so she's mad. And she's like, for real? First chicken fingers and onion rings and now you get me a picture frame? And I'm like, just open it. And so she, she fumbles around and she opens up the picture frame box and she slides the picture frame out and she's looking at it and it's a picture of an engagement ring. 
And then when she looks up, she's like, what in the world is this? And she looks up and I'm down on one knee and I have the ring in my hand. And Sarah says, no. Uh-uh. No way. And I'm like, well, this isn't really going the way that I'd planned. And it wasn't that she didn't want to say yes. It was that she had been chosen and she was so like, she, she had built it up and, and she didn't think it was going to happen. And so when that choice happened, she began to question and she began to think, no, there's no way that this is real, that this could actually be happening. And, and, and that's what we do, right? Like when, when I was chosen to become the lead pastor of this church at the beginning of this year, you know what I started to think? I'm too young. I've never pastored a church before. I'm not a good enough leader. I'm definitely not a good enough preacher. I don't know enough, the, I don't know enough about the Bible to pastor these people, to lead this organization forward. I've never had to oversee a budget that large and of that magnitude with so many line items. There's just so many things that I don't know how to do, so many reasons that I can't do it and on and on and on, and I try to talk myself out of it. See, whenever we get chosen for something special, particularly by God, it seems that the enemy always comes at us with feelings of lack and doubt and unbelief and fear and uncertainty and hesitation. We tend to look at all the reasons why it's not going to work. We look at all the reasons why we can't do the thing that we have been asked to do. And some of us in this room, we've, we've had the call of God. We, we have the call of God on our life. But we've even questioned him verbally saying, God, are you sure that this is what I'm supposed to do? Are you sure that you're choosing me because this guy over here is so much more capable or this girl over here would be so much better able to do the thing. They're, they're so much better equipped to accomplish the thing that you're asking me to do. But what I have discovered for my short 37 years on this planet and since the age of 15 and being called into full-time ministry is that when God calls us, he's not so much concerned about our ability as he is concerned about our availability. That's what God is looking for. Not are you able to do it, but are you simply available to do it? And when God calls us to do something, you and I, we have the choice, we have the opportunity to respond in one of two ways. We can either object or we can obey. It's as simple as that. We can object or we can obey. And there's, there's countless times in scripture that we read of someone being called to do something by God and they object. One of them is Jonah. God called Jonah to go and to preach to the people of Nineveh to proclaim the word of the Lord to them. And what did Jonah do? For those of you that know, you've read this story. There's an entire book in the Old Testament, four chapters that you can read this, this story of Jonah. Does he go to Nineveh? No, he gets on a boat and he goes as far in the other direction as he possibly can. And he ends up being thrown overboard by the people on the ship and he gets swallowed by a great fish and he spends three nights in the belly of that fish. And then 
the fish swims to Nineveh and then vomits him up on the, on the shoreline. And then Jonah says, well, I guess I better go to Nineveh and do what God's told me to do. I've, he's covered in fish puke, you know. Probably time to start listening to the Lord. We, we hear the story of Moses. And God comes to Moses and in the form of a burning bush. And he speaks to Moses out of that bush. And he, he calls Moses to, to go back to Egypt and to deliver his people, the Israelites, from the hand of Pharaoh. And so what does Moses do? He's, he's talking back and forth with God in, in this bush. And Moses starts to argue with God about why he can't be the one to go and do that. He brings up his inadequacies, including his inability to speak clearly, his lack of knowledge, and the feeling that no one would take him seriously. God, surely this call wasn't meant for me. It was meant for someone else. We read in the New Testament when a man that, that we only know as what the Bible calls the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to follow you? And Jesus says, well, you got to keep the commandments. And the rich young ruler says, well, I've done this since I was a young boy. And he says, Jesus tells him, then, then go and sell all of your earthly possessions and, and give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. But the rich young ruler, he leaves sad because he's unable to part with his earthly possessions in order to follow Jesus. He throws up an objection rather than acting in obedience. And we see this time and time again, but scripture is also chock full of situations where people do obey the calling of the Lord on their life and they respond in great obedience. And the Christmas story is no different than that. The Christmas story is no different than that. And we're gonna jump in today with Luke chapter one, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, all right, so we start off right there in the sixth month. That seems kind of weird. It's actually the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Many of you might remember the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, and the angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah and says that his wife, Elizabeth, who has been barren up to this point, is going to have a son and that they would name him John. And so um, this, this passage is about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth is her cousin. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, the angel of the Lord has come to call Mary to something very special. And right off the bat, Mary becomes greatly troubled at the sign of God calling her to do something special with her life. Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. So Mary, right off the bat, she is filled full of fear. 
when God calls her. Fear as to what the outcome is going to be. Fear as to whether or not she is going to be able to fulfill this calling that God has placed on her life. She becomes greatly troubled and the angel says, don't be afraid for you have found favor with God. Verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? First off, she's greatly troubled with fear. And now she's doubting. Now she's doubting the call of the Lord in her life. How will this be since I am a virgin? It is biologically in accordance with with what, what her mental capacity can handle. It is biologically impossible for this to be a thing. How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called holy the son of God, verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. See, Mary is, she's filled full of fear. She's filled full of doubt, but the angel is saying, do not be afraid because the thing that God has called you to will come to pass because you may not be able to do it, but he can do it in and through you for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary, she has a choice to make at this point. Is she going to object or is she going to obey? Respond with objection excuses, all the reasons why it doesn't work, why it won't work, why it can't work, or is she going to respond in faithful obedience? And this is what Mary says in verse 38. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, when I read this passage and I consider that this is how God the Father chose to bring Jesus into the world, that that he is establishing something here with, with how his son comes into the world to become a human, to, to grow up, to be a man, to walk among us. That, that there's a principle that is going forth here, a principle that, that you and I can all learn from. This, this principle, if we put it to practice, we put it in place in our lives and we begin to act on this principle that, that for each and every one of us, it could change everything. And the principle that not only this passage, but the entirety, the, the fullness, the wholeness of the word of God, this principle that goes forth that God is communicating to us today is simply this. Faith leads to fulfillment. Faith leads to fulfillment. That when God calls us to something, if rather than objecting, if we will simply respond with faithful obedience, that then he will use us to bring that thing to come to pass. He will use us to bring that thing to come to pass. But in order for us to see that thing 
be fulfilled in our life, to, to have God's call be fulfilled in our life. It does take great faith. So if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write, write uh, these three things down. There's, there's three particular areas of faith that it takes for us if our faith is going to lead to fulfillment. The first one is it takes faith to believe that God has a plan for our lives. It takes faith to believe that God has a plan for our lives. A lot of us take on the idea that we're just kind of here and that we didn't really have a choice in the matter. You know, our parents chose us to bring, uh, chose to bring us into the world and, and we're just kind of here for however long that we're here. And, and, and one day we were born and, and someday we we're gonna die. And so we've just got to do the best we can to make it in between those two dates. And that, that's kind of it. And we're just, we're just here. It's kind of a, an accident that there's no real rhyme or reason. But, but God has a specific and detailed plan for each and every one of us that is here on this earth. Whether we are believers in him or not, he has a plan for us. Ephesians chapter 2 Paul writes, for we are God's masterpiece. That means that the way you were made, the way you look, the skills that you have, the abilities that you have, the giftings that you have been given, it was all accordance in, in accordance with God's purpose. Like you are who you are and the way you are because that is how God made you. And he does not make mistakes. He makes masterpieces. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. God's plan for us is good. It is with our best interest at heart so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That tells me that when we showed up on this earth, that's not when God started trying to figure out what to do with us. He had something in mind long before our parents ever came together to create us. He had something in mind, a special design for you and for me. And that's why we were made to be who we are and the way we are, because we are God's masterpiece, not a mistake. He has chosen us and he didn't just choose us when we arrived on the scene. He chose us long before we were ever a gleam in our father's eye. He has a plan for us, but it takes great faith to believe that that is the case. Number two, it takes faith to believe when God's plan doesn't make logical sense. It takes faith to believe when God's plan doesn't make logical sense. And I gotta be honest, in my reading of the scriptures, and in my experience, just in my life and in the lives of, of those around me, more often than not, the thing God calls us to does not make logical sense. That's why it requires faith. If it made sense, it would be easy. And we wouldn't have to depend on God to do it. We'd say, well, yeah, sure, I can do that. But God calls us to things that don't make sense because he wants us to have to depend on him to bring it to fruition, for it to be fulfilled in our life. He's going to call us to do something that we don't have the skill to do. 
so that we have to depend on him. He's going to call us to, to give to something that we don't have the money to give to so that we have to depend on him. He's always going to call us to something that is bigger than what we are capable of doing on our own. And, and when we get called to that, we're going to say, well, that just doesn't make much sense. But consider how Jesus came into the world. Holly Girth writes about it. She said he came not to a throne, but to a manger. He lived not as a king, but a servant. He chose not a kingdom, but a cross. He gave not just a little, but everything. Even in the calling of his one and only son, Jesus, it did not make sense for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to come in to be born in a stable, to come in and die on a cross, to come in instead of amassing great wealth, to give up everything on behalf of those that would turn their backs on him. It didn't make sense. And it takes great faith to believe that God has a plan for our life, especially when it doesn't make logical sense. Number three, it takes faith to believe in God's plan when we are the least likely candidate to be chosen. It takes faith to believe in God's plan when we are the least likely candidate to be chosen. Consider this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And when we look back in the Old Testament, we go back to the book of Micah in chapter five and verse two, it says that Bethlehem is the smallest, most insignificant clan in all of the tribe of Judah. We consider that the announcement, the annunciation of the birth of the Christ child came not to, not to kings and, 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 and authorities, it came out in the countryside to a couple of shepherds, social outcasts, loners, the least likely candidates. We think about where Jesus was born. It wasn't in the penthouse of some high-rise luxury condominium or hotel. It was in the afterthought of a, of a stable in a manger. Well, that, that's all we got left. We think about who was chosen to be his mother, Mary. She was a woman, which in this time meant that she didn't have any kind of status in society. She was uneducated. She had no special skills, no special training. And on top of it all, she was a teenager, probably like 14 or 15 years old. And for Mary to accept this call that God has, had placed on her life at this time, it, it, it could have resulted in her being rejected by her family. It could have ended up in her being divorced by her espoused husband, Joseph. And ultimately, it could have resulted in her being stoned to death as an adulterer in accordance with the laws at the time. But yet she accepted the call. She didn't object. She acted in faithful obedience. A pastor and friend of mine in St. Augustine, Brian Lamoureux, he said this, imagine the faith it took for Mary 
to bear the child that would one day bear the cross. Not only was she taking her own life and putting it in a jeopardizing situation that she could be put to death for, but yes, Kenny Rogers and Winona, I think she did know. So we all get that on the drive home. She did know that the child she bore would one day bear the cross, that he was coming to die as well. Think of the faith that it took for her to act in obedience. But here's what I've discovered. God tends to take people of the greatest amount of insignificance and use them to do the most amazing things. God tends to take people of great significance and use them to do the most amazing things. And though it may be our story, he uses it for his glory. Faith leads to fulfillment. Big faith leads to big fulfillment. So you and I have been called, but we're not able to just get into this with just one, one foot in, one foot out. It's not just, I'm going to dip my toe in the water and just test the temperature of God's call. No. We've got to make a decision to not hold anything back, to go all in, in the calling that God has placed in our life. Because this Christmas, you and I, we are invited by Jesus to receive not just the gift of his salvation, but to receive the gift of his calling on our lives as well. So my question is, what's God calling you to do? Where have you let your doubts, your fears, your insecurities, your uncertainties, where have you let those things overshadow your faith in the call that God has placed in your life? What are the things that are standing between you and the fulfillment of that call? Maybe God's called you to do something in, you, in the community. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to, to make a job change or a, a career change. Maybe God is calling you to be more generous with your finances. Maybe God's calling you to do something in, in your marriage or, or to, to a place in, in your relationships. Maybe God is calling you to leave the comfort of Amelia Island and Fernandina Beach and go out onto the mission field to serve people who are lost and hurting and broken. For each of us, that thing is different. But we share in the fact that God has called us all. Where have we refused? Where have we acted with objections and provided all the excuses rather than stepping out in faithful obedience? As we look at the Christmas 
season that is upon us. And then a few weeks after that, we, we turn our eyes into the, the beginning of a brand new year. As I was preparing for this message and, and just trying to take what the Lord had given me and placed on my heart to extend it to you this morning, I just felt like I needed to tell somebody this. It, this might be for everybody. This might just be for one person. You might be in the room. You may be watching online with us this morning. I just feel the need to tell somebody this. And I'm combining my faith with yours. I'm believing that 2019 is gonna be your year. For whatever reason, you just, you haven't been able to, to, to get to that place of fulfillment. You've just been, just been banging your head against the wall, just coming up empty. But I'm believing and I'm combining my faith with yours this morning that for somebody that is within earshot of this message today, 2019 is gonna be your year. And what might happen for you and for me if rather than objecting to God's call, if we simply obeyed? What if instead of excuses, this year we exclaimed along with Mary, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What if we chose that for ourselves? All over this house, I just want us to take a moment and pray. As we close out this message this morning, I, I just want you to think about that thing, that thing that God's been calling you to do. It could be something huge. It could be something really simple. But God's called you to do something and for whatever reason, you've just been putting it off. You've been providing a litany of excuses as to why it's not gonna work. Why it doesn't make sense. Why it shouldn't be you. And today, I just want us to close out this message by praying those words of Mary. Can we bow our heads and let's pray together? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this group of people. And I thank you for the, the special and unique callings that you have placed on their life. And Lord, I pray that in the coming year that they would be able to push aside the fear, the doubt, the apprehension, the uncertainty, the hesitation. And God, that they would be able to, to jump in, all in, both feet, that they would lean into the call that you've placed on their life. God, that you would use them, not because of their ability, but because of their availability. Lord, and I, I pray that, that in all the areas of lack, Lord, that you would just bring the skills and the knowledge and the wisdom and the giftings to their life, to their hands, so that they can be used by you. And as they step out in faith and obey the calling that is placed on their life by you, Lord, I pray that you would bring about fulfillment in and through them. And God, that as we do so together, Lord, that we would change this church, 
change this community, Lord, that we would, that we would be um, uh, able to change this world as we know it because we've stepped out in faithful obedience to the call that you place on our lives. Lord, I pray that their heart, their words, their drive, their desire would be that of Mary's. Let this thing happen unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. At Christwalk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christwalk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.